Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Chalk Talk Football Podcast. And once again, joined by our good friend Greg Cosell of NFL Films and ESPN's NFL Matchup. As always, the Chalk Talk Podcast, sponsored by WalterFootball.com. Uh, for more inf- draft information, including NFL mock drafts, updated weekly, draft stock reports, fantasy football rankings, NFL picks, and much more, check out WalterFootball.com and Liscow Consulting, LLC, a patron of the football arts. That's a title I always enjoy. Um, Greg, welcome. And this week we're going to do defensive linemen, um, ends and tackles. And, of course, you got to split the baby with these guys because some of them are outside linebackers that we'll cover next week, guys like Dante Fowler and, and stuff. So we'll get to all the pass rushers over the next two weeks. Um, and before we get into these individual players, I want to ask you two questions. And I had Stephen White on, who I know you know, writes for SB Nation, used to be a lineman for the Bucks, And... We talked about this, and I want to ask you the same question, and I'm thinking your answers will be somewhat similar, but as I'm going through all the pass rushers and a lot of the defensive tackles, and I'm making notes, and it's like the same thing over and over. It doesn't use his hands well. doesn't have this move. doesn't have that move. Rip, swim, club, hump, whatever. And it's something that you and I have discussed, but I want to get into this more in depth because it drives me nuts every year. And I think this is, maybe it's just that there are more pass rushers this year, but it seems to me that the 2015 draft class is the most graphic overall example of guys who just do not know how to use their hands. They're kind of running around offensive linemen. And I, I keep watching these guys and thinking to myself, Gosh, they'd be so much better if they knew how to do this. And it's it's such a universal thing where maybe just a handful of guys, even, you know, like Leonard Williams has that uh, the arm over move. But most of these guys, they don't really do anything with their arms, and they will have to in the NFL. Why? I mean, because you talk to coaches. You know what's up. Why is that? Well, it it really shouldn't surprise you, Doug. It's because they're not taught. And unless you're just one of those special guys that has an intuitive feel for how to do it, and there's not many of those guys, most college players are not taught this kind of thing simply because there's a minimal amount of time in which to do teaching. And most things in college are based on scheme and design as opposed to teaching individual players. So, to me, it's not really surprising at all, and it's something that coaches believe can be taught, I don't want to say simply, because a lot of things can be taught, and then it comes down to the player applying it on the field, but you really shouldn't be surprised that players in college don't understand the finer points, the subtleties of playing their given position. I guess the example I used, because I was familiar with it, was Bruce Irvin. They took him in the first round, 15th overall pick in 2012, and he didn't have any really real hand moves. He didn't have an inside counter. He was just kind of a fast guy. And two years later, he still didn't have an inside counter. So I'm, I'm wondering, with some, and this is what you know, that this is when they had Pete Carroll and Gus Bradley and Dan Quinn, uh, guys who know a little few things about defensive line techniques. And I'm, I'm wondering how teachable it is in a general sense. Well, th- that comes back to the point I just made. You can teach it, and then it comes down to whether it can be executed. And the, the other thing, too, is it, sometimes it comes down to the, the, the sort of overriding phrase we all use, instincts. Yeah. You can't change instincts, and you can't create instincts. So if a guy just doesn't do something naturally to some degree, Maybe you can't teach him, and and maybe some guys can't be taught. Maybe some guys just, this is the way they play, and that's the way they're going to play. So it's hard to know the answer to that question, but 
but I'm not surprised that college players don't play with the sort of subtle nuances of their position because we know for sure in college that they they just don't have the kind of time that's required to teach players that. Yeah, and it's you know it's one of those things where if it works, don't worry about it. They're they're getting away with this against maybe seventy percent of the linemen they face will never play in the NFL, and you can just run around these guys. Yeah, and for the most part, I remember being told this years ago, and I'm pretty certain it was John Fox that told me this, and it's still true to a large extent. He said the biggest mismatch on an NFL field is defensive line slash pass rushing linebackers versus offensive linemen. And for the most part, that's probably still true. And I think that you make a great point about college. You know, good good pass rushers, good defensive linemen in college, they're going to be better athletically than a large percentage of the offensive linemen they're playing against. Yeah. Uh, Second question and, I mean, we, we've discussed this for years, um, the multiplicity of gap responsibilities that players have today. Is it is it more important and more prevalent among draft-eligible pass rushers and de- you know defensive linemen of any stripe, no matter what you're talking about? Is it more important now and more sought after and more crucial to NFL teams that these guys – have legitimate and effective multiple gap responsibilities for the most part? Um, I, I think in the NFL, you like players who have some position versatility and they're flexible in the way they can be utilized. I think what we look at is traits and attributes of specific players as you evaluate them. And you say, hey, this guy, he may line up in this one place in college, but I think we can use him in a variety of ways. So I think that that works off your evaluation of a given player. Yeah. All right. Now, go ahead. Go ahead. More, I think that overall you will see guys in college, particularly defensive linemen, used uh, a little more uh, uh, multiply, uh, let's say, in maybe years past. The college game is still not quite like the NFL game in that regard. I know you and I have discussed often that when you turn on college tape, you just don't see, let's say, the, the number and, and variety of blitzes that you, you'll see in the NFL. In fact, sometimes when you see teams blitz, you're almost surprised in college. Wow, there's a there's a cool blitz. Mm-hmm. You just don't see that kind of stuff the way you will in the NFL. So. That's something else I think that guys can be taught, and it depends then on the player. Yeah. I asked Pete Carroll about that at the Combine. He's like, well, you know, if a guy can play multiple gaps, that's great. But if he's really good at one thing, we'll just have him do the one thing. It's okay. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> and that's the other issue is do you dilute a player's ability? I mean, unless he's a truly, truly special player, and there's not a lot of those guys. Yeah. Well, let's start with the defensive tackles, and obviously the number one, probably the number one defensive player on the board uh, is Leonard Williams from USC. And I'll I'll just, I'll throw you some of my scouting notes and I'll let you respond. Um, Can be effective everywhere from five tech and nose tackle, seems to be truly scheme transcendent. Uh, Seek and destroy scraper who diagnoses very well through trash. Outstanding rip move, uses full height extension to beat blockers with physical strength. Uh, great bull rush. Every so often, he'll move an opponent back and just blow up a backfield. Uh, high quality history as a run tackler. I think his run stopping is undersold. On the con side, 
I, I think he comes off the snap slow. I don't know if that's to scheme or what, because some guys mush rush. Some guys just want him to stand there and react. Um, not always as immediate and, and explosive as one might expect. Um, my comparison to him was to Kevin Williams. When I talked to Stephen White, he brought up possibly Richard Seymour. What are your thoughts about, A, Williams's traits and attributes, as you would say, and then where he best fits in the NFL? I think the fit part's really an interesting question with Leonard Williams. Uh, he cannot Richard Seymour today as we speak. No. Uh, what you're what you're hoping is perhaps he can become that. Uh, I think his body type is such that he could gain 15 pounds, 20 pounds, and probably not be all that different. Um, he's not. Richard Seymour was a little freakish in terms of just his country strength. That, that's not Leonard Williams. Uh, then I've seen that people talk about him as a three technique. I don't see him as a three technique. Not at six you know, five. No. Yeah, I mean, he's not watching his tape, and I watch an awful lot of Leonard Williams because he's obviously a high-level player in this draft. He's not Gerald McCoy. He's not Sheldon Richardson or Sheree Floyd coming out of college. He's not that kind of player. Um, To me, I thought that the most impressive part of his game was his strong hands. They were active and they were violent. Um, And he's clearly very light on his feet with explosive traits. There's no question about that. You know, the guy's got explosive movement. Now, the one thing that bothered me about Leonard Williams, and I'm not sure, I haven't talked to anybody about this yet. Uh, I don't know if this is viewed as being coachable or not coachable. is he played high, Doug? Yeah. He showed his chest a lot. Uh-huh. And in the NFL, you can when you show your chest, you could be playing against the ninth offensive lineman on a team, and you'll get moved. Yeah, I wrote that in my note. Fails to get low enough to win pad-level battles on a fairly regular basis. So that would be my number one concern because that you can't play like that in the NFL. Now, that takes nothing away from his explosive movement, from his strong hands. Uh, he has all that. Uh, I just struggle with two things. One, I just mentioned he played high. And number two, as he transitions to the league, I- I'm trying to figure out what he is. I think he's really a 3-4 D end. Uh-huh. I do- to me, he's not a 4-3-3 technique. Not right now. Now, he's a young kid, and you're, what you're drafting with Leonard Williams is what you think he will become. Um, well, here's why, for his sake, I hope he goes to the Titans, because their defensive coordinator is Ray Horton. And Ray Horton, as you know, has an unusual ability and understanding uh, regarding taking players with uh, different physical traits and making them do things that maybe you couldn't, you wouldn't think they could do, but they wind up doing very well. I remember last year there were times when he had Jarrell Casey, who is an amazing three tech, and you put him up in that kind of Lamar Houston role with the Raiders as a stand up outside pass rusher, and he would yep. make it work. I would love. I think. I think if you define Leonard Williams at one position, you're not going to get the best out of him. Whether you put on weight, blah blah blah. I think you have to. I'm not saying he's a rotational player, but I think you have to pick your spots with him. Like, here in this front, he's going to be um, more of a Ray McDonald type, although he's not different body types. But 
you know, here he's going to be our end. Here he's going to be like a five tech tackle as opposed to a three, you know, just a different space. Right, and responsibility. I, I think that will be, you know, team specific depending on who ultimately drafts him. Uh, I think if he's drafted by Tennessee, uh, there are three, four base, but as we know, there's different ways to play three, four fronts. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily mean all of a sudden a two gap defensive end. Uh, but. You know, and it's funny, if they would draft him because they have Casey as well, Casey is, is an interesting player because in an ideal world, Casey's a 4-3-3 technique. But obviously in that defense, that's not what he's playing. Right. Yeah, I just, that's, that was the conclusion I came to with, with uh, Leonard Williams is if you, if you put him in one role, I, you'll get a good player. If you move him around based on his attributes and based on what's around him, that that's that's where you get something special. I just don't I, – because I struggle with what you – like, where do you put him? What is he? Yeah, and, and, and I will say this, and, and I, like I said, I watch an awful lot of games because of, of who he is. I don't think his tape – overall was tremendous. I don't either. I think he's, he shows a lot of really good traits, as we discussed, uh, and, and he's a guy you could discuss all day. I mean, clearly he's got light athletic feet, quick explosive hands. I mean, there's a lot of positives with Leonard Williams. But I, when I was, I kept watching more because in all honesty, Doug, I kept felt like I was missing something. You know, that maybe it was me. And then when I was finished, and I think I watched six or seven games, which is an awful lot of plays, I came to the conclusion that he's, he's, a, he's a really good prospect. Not that he's an, oh, my God, can't miss, just the greatest guy I've seen in five years. He's a good prospect. Well, what I was missing, and I had the same feeling, was what I mentioned before, which was the, the pure explosiveness off the snap. The first he's step, not that guy right now. Right. The first step quickness to get inside the blocker to, you know, turn to the shoulder to make, you know, what Bill Walsh always used to say, it, it's you got to punch first. And the more you punch first, the more you wear your guy down. He's not a punch first guy. No, sometimes, and I did talk to someone about this, sometimes he would lean and then use his hand, and that's in the reverse order. Yeah. Now, I think you can teach that, but he has really strong hands, but sometimes he uses them in the wrong order. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, let's move on, because we could talk about him all day, but let's not. <laughs> uh, right, right. Danny Shelton from Washington. Obviously, I'm familiar with the guy. I was at his pro day. saw the lava lava. That was really interesting. They have those uh, the Polynesian skirts with the UW logo on them. That's pretty cool. We're going to send you one. <laughs> well, I'm wearing one now, by the way. Oh, okay, awesome. Uh, 6'2", 339. Now, I'll say this about Shelton. Um, I think his, I think the Haloti Nada comparisons are a little bit whack. Um, I, six of his nine sacks last year came against Hawaii and Eastern Washington. I don't think he's a pass rusher. Um, I, I think there were some Vince Wilfork aspects to his play, but I'll tell you the guy he really reminds me of, and an underrated player that we discussed in last year's regular season podcast is Brandon Williams, a kid from Baltimore, who's kind of a Nada replacement now. As just a guy, he can one gap, he can two gap. If you're playing sort of that over multiple front that I know Belichick likes, Carroll uses once in a while. And here's the thing: he played over 80 percent of Washington's snaps last year. And late in games, he would get tired, he'd get a little higher in his stance. But 
I think overall what you're getting is a multi-gap run stuffer, but I mean, I could part him out all the way to like that Red Bryant 5-tech end at the run stopper on the strong side. I don't think there's a lot this guy can't do, and I, I think depending on where you put him, I, he could go 3-4, he could go 4-3. You put him in that Vic Fangio defense in Chicago at 7, and I think it would be just nuts. Um, what are your thoughts, and, and again with Shelton, we all know he's good, but how is he good in your mind? Where is he lacking, and where is his best fit? Well, to the comparisons I made were Will Falk and Don Terry Poe, because oh. he's got he's got big size and really quick feet and outstanding movement ability. Uh, I saw him essentially the way you did, so we mean I need to talk about him a whole lot. I think that he's either a three-four nose, but he's a, he could play a one technique and a four-three. So he he to me could play in either one. Um, he's he's a strong and powerful guy with light feet and smooth movement. And those guys, there's not a lot of guys like that, and they're relatively rare. But he also can manhandle uh, offensive linemen, interior offensive linemen, and and you've probably seen those plays. I have as well. Um, What I thought was most impressive about Shelton, given how big he is, is he really played a quick man's game, not just a strong man's game. Yep. And I think that, that that is what stood out to me the most. And you, you hit, it, hit it right on the head. The other thing that really stood out was how many snaps he played. In, in the Pac-12, with a lot of spread offenses, he played, I think you mentioned over 80%. Yeah. I didn't chart it, but, I mean, he was on the field all the time. It well, seemed, that's, that's, and I just, that's per pro football focus, just to get that. Oh, out. okay. Uh, uh, but I just kept noticing, and I made that note that he was on the field. So he, he, I just made the note that he played an awful lot of snaps versus a lot of spread offenses. And I, uh, the game I paid most attention to with that obviously was Oregon, because they're running. You know, it's play. It's not Chip Kelly anymore, but it's the same thing. It's play after play. After same play. offense. And you know, he again, he's going to get a little higher in his stance. He's he's going to get a bit gassed, but for his side, He won't play anywhere near that number of snaps in the NFL, no. because early in his career, he's not going to be on the field in the uh, sub-package defenses. You mentioned a quick man's game. The other thing I really love about Shelton is, and I remember Casey Hampton doing this in Dick LeBeau's defense back in the day. Um, he would, Casey would go out and defend screen passes. You know, Casey would run to the sideline and catch a guy... And Shelton has that same thing. He his it's not lateral like from gap to gap. It's lateral from the middle of the field to the sideline, and right. that's what really blew me away about him was how quickly he could you know get to this half or that half of the field. I agree. I mean that's he he saw him work down the line of scrimmage, and that doesn't happen often with men that size. Uh, moving to our third defensive tackle, Malcolm Brown from Texas, and this was this is the first guy on our list where I'm, I'm watching him and I'm watching him, and I saw him get just not mowed down because he's a big, powerful guy. Um, he is a good pass rusher, but I'm a little concerned about his, not, I guess not so much his base strength, but his upper body strength. I saw him get pushed out of plays too often. And he would be double teamed, but even single teamed sometimes. I'm not sure if his leverage is what it needs to be at the next level. Um, what are your thoughts about him? 
Yeah, I liked Malcolm Brown uh, the more I watched him because he's another guy who's actually a very, very good athlete for a man that big. Uh, they even lined him up at defensive end at times to, to rush the quarterback. Yep. He stood up at times. Um, he's another guy that played more of a quick man's game than a than a big man's game, despite the fact that he's 320 pounds. Um, and I think he showed overall a lot of the attributes you look for. He's, he actually showed bend and burst to win with quickness. Uh, he showed pretty strong hands. Uh, I, I liked him. Um, and again, he starts out probably in a similar similar to to Sheldon, um, my guess is, and I don't know how you feel, will people see him as a potential three technique? Oh, six two three nineteen. May if it's if it's a team. I'm trying to think of teams that use like a heavy three. Um, I mean, he certainly doesn't have the ideal body type, Doug, but I think he showed that kind of quickness to be a one-gap penetrator. Well, um, Justin Smith is, what, 320? And I'm not comparing him to Justin Smith by any means, but in the, the that base Vic Fangio defense in San Francisco for a long time, it was essentially a 4-2-5 with a Leo end, and they would run Justin Smith in there as what was, from a gap perspective, a three-tech. So I can see right. that kind of thing. And, and Vic's, gonna, Vic's going to a 3-4. But again, 3-4, four, 4-3, four, those designations can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different coaches. Uh, but, you know, is Brown at the end in a 3-4 front? Is he a 3 technique in a 4-3? Uh, I think that he can play multiple gap concepts. Yeah, I think so too. And to me, he is – he can be a base – I don't know if he, well, I guess he could be a base three. I mean, I, I remember talking to Kevin Colbert about this years ago, and basically if you're not, I mean, for the Steelers, if you're not 6'3 or above, you're not going to play end in their system, but other teams may feel differently. Um, right, and, and again, he's not 6'3. I think he's 6'2, somewhere yeah, around there. So, but he, to me, he showed a different kind of quickness than, let's say, Danny Shelton. You know, Danny Shelton obviously was very quick for a man that big, but Brown played, he rushed the quarterback like a smaller man, yeah. and I think he has the chance to develop a very good inside pass rusher. Yeah, Shelton would pick you up and then start running. Brown would try to run around you. Shelton, yeah. <laughs> Shelton just likes to dominate people. Sometimes he would dominate so much he'd run out of the play, but that's a different story. Um, yeah, I mean, could he, you know, shoot out to end and be a base tackle? Yeah, and a, a, especially a, a multi uh, a multi front team. Sure, I could see that. I just, I, you know, and maybe that's what he is. And maybe I was watching him. Maybe I need to rewatch him as a quicker guy instead of a stronger guy. But with those bodily dimensions, I just I wanted more push. Is all I'm saying. Right, and I don't think he's that kind of player. Um, not that he's weak, you know. But no. I don't think he's a. I don't think he can play a strong man's game the way Shelton can. And I thought he used his hands well, and, and I thought he consistently won with his hands. But he won with his hands as part of uh, uh, using his quickness. He didn't win with his hands in a, in a strong man's way. Yeah. Um, next guy is Eric Armstead from Oregon. And I remember when Deion Jordan, and Deion Jordan was an end slash outside linebacker, but when Deion Jordan came out of Oregon and – he would do everything from rush the passer to defend slot receivers. And I, I, I think Miami is still trying to figure out what to do with him. And I could see 
the same problem with Armstead in the NFL. I mean, the obvious comparison everyone's making is to Calais Campbell because he's 6'7", 292. Um, you know, and Campbell plays a very specific end role, a little bit of tackle, but at 6'7", you can't really get low. Um, so uh, nobody's doubting it. he's a physical freak. It's just, will he put it together, and, and, and what's his best role? Because, I mean, I, I keep asking this question because a lot of these guys, it's what their best role is. And with Armstead, you know, is he that ginormous end like Calais Campbell is? Probably. I mean, I think that's where he would be best suited. And I also wonder if it's just going to take some time for him to sort of put it all together technique-wise. See, to me, there's not really a question with him. That's what he is. He's the comparison is is Campbell. He's a three four D end. There's a ton of tools to work with with this guy. Um, his his good plays are wow plays yep. because he plays with outstanding leverage, power, quick hands, the ability to contact and release. I mean, what immediately stands out when you watch him is the fact that he's really athletic for a man that big. Uh, and he's big. He's got very light feet, easy movement, natural athleticism. Uh, now, I think there are some some issues. Too many times he got locked up at the line of scrimmage, not getting off blocks at all. I, I thought he used his hands well as a pass rusher, but I did think he used his hands well as a run defender. Uh, but I think that he's a really good prospect. There's a ton of tools to work with. Uh, I'm not sure that he's that difficult in evaluation. I think he's a 3-4 D end. Could you move him inside when you go to your sub package? You probably will down the road. But I think he's a 3-4 D end. Yeah. Um, uh, the other thing I would say is for his athleticism, I would have liked to have seen him be a little quicker off the snap at times. Do you th- is, is 6 7 292 too big for a Leo? I mean, I think the natural inclination is to say yes, uh, but I've also learned over the years not to totally put players in a box. So, I, But my, my immediate answer to that would be yes. Yeah. It's just always fun with guys like that to say, oh, where would they fit? Where would they possibly fit? Okay, Eddie Goldman, defensive tackle from Florida State. And I'm going to get to my write-up of him. Uh, let me see here. I have I'll tell you who he- Go ahead. I was going to say he re- who he reminded me of. Mm-hmm. He reminded me of Kareem Short coming out of Purdue two years ago. Oh, yeah. The Panthers guy. <laughs> um, I'll give you a few of my notes. I uh, can play run-stopping in, two-gap to either side, one-tech shade, nose tackle. When he comes up to, when he comes off the snap quickly, he has the potential to blow up blocks and disrupt. Impressive speed for short stunts around the line. Um, can turn his shoulder to the guard. On the other hand, I, too much time middling around the line when he moves late off the snap, meets blocks too high in his stance. This is a guy who, uh, what, 6'3", 320, very powerful body. I, you know, I, I don't think he plays to his size a lot of the time. And the, the slowness off the snap, I mean, we talk about strongman games versus a quick man's game. I think he comes off the ball sometimes like a guy who's 20 pounds heavier than he is. Yeah, I think he's inconsistent in that area. Um, the times he did do it, he showed excellent quickness off the ball. Now, there's a guy who I thought used his hands well. I don't know what you thought. I thought he used his hands well. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I thought there were also too many times he got washed down on the scrimmage. Yes. 
and that's um, that's playing high. When you're when you're three twenty, right. that's playing high. That's your problem. But, oh, no, wait, three thirty six at the combine. So six four yes. three thirty six. Yep. Um, now he's also not an inside pass rusher at this point. Uh, so he's a guy that would be a base defense D tackle. Um, the pass rush projection as he develops could determine his draft status, how people see him down the road. Uh, but I think there's – I, I watched the Louisville game uh, as one of my games, and he had a great battle with John Miller, the mm-hmm. uh, Louisville offensive guard. Yep. And there were times Goldman uh, did a great job contacting, engaging, releasing to make plays, and there were other times he couldn't get off of Miller at all. But it was a really good battle between two good players who were both going to be drafted. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Phillips from Oklahoma, six five three twenty nine, ran a five one seven forty, had a one eight two. Yeah, there's not a lot of guys that big who move like he does. And, that, and that's, that's where we start. And yeah. I don't, I don't know that I would have put the Don Terry Poe comparison on Shelton, but I would put it on this guy um, because I think here, here you have uh, just a majorly huge athlete, and I, I would imagine a guy like Bill Belichick would just be licking his chops, going, "Boy, if I could get him." He's not. I don't know if he's going to be there at 32, but if he is, um, he he to me is someone who he he would have splash plays. He would be fairly consistent, but I think he can be even better with uh, you know hand move coaching, technique coaching, filling that role. I think he is probably a one tech shade. He could play straight over center. But once he puts everything together, I mean, like we're saying, he's a rare athlete. And, and this is where I would put the Don Terry Poe comparison. Yeah, well, this kid has one gap in ability. Yeah. Uh, because he's such a good athlete. Uh, he's, re- I mean, 6'5", 330. I mean, think about that for a minute. Um, there's not a lot of guys like that. And the more I watched him, the more I liked him. My one concern about him, and it wasn't a glaring concern in the sense that I thought it was a real, real problem, but there were times I had questions about his consistent compete level. And I don't mean that he was dogging it because he wasn't that guy, but uh, just and again, that could be a function of number of snaps as well. Because I remember having a great conversation with an NFL GM, excuse me, talking about a D tackle, and I was talking about how uh, just that very thing, the compete, and I didn't think he played hard. And he said, "Hey, keep in mind, he was playing 80 snaps a game in the NFL. He'll play 30 or 35, and that won't be an issue." And he turned out to be right about what player we were talking about. And I can't remember who it was, but I think the same thing will be the case with Jordan Phillips. He's not going to play 70 snaps a game. So I think that there's an awful lot to like about this guy. Yeah, and it's um, he's one to watch in the NFL. I, I haven't heard his name discussed a lot in just overall draft circles. But, I, you know, in the right system, I, he's, he's one of those guys that's going to come up and just it, blow people away. You mentioned Kawan Short from Purdue, and I remember watching him and thinking, he, you know, he'll kind of stand up. I, I had real concerns about his effort. And, and, yeah, oh, I did too. And that brings me to Carl Davis of Iowa. And, you know, very productive player, can be very strong, 6'5", 320. Um, talk about, I mean, 50740, 1.73, 10-yard I think, by the way, I said Kareem short. I meant to say Kawhi short. Right. Uh, we, well, well, we'll edit that out. We'll put in one of those. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, make it, uh, we'll make it seamless. Um, but and I've, I've talked to some people who, and I, I'm always reticent to question a guy's effort because I don't know. 
but I will say that... Oh, I rarely ever do that unless I feel it's, it's staring me in the face. I will question his consistency, and I think there are times where he just sort of not takes himself out of plays, but things tend to end a little too quickly. And this is another guy I don't think plays to his size. And I, you know, is, is he to you, is he at, at 6'5", 320, uh, a, a three four end? Is he more of a speed guy? I mean, he can play with power. Where do you see him fitting? That's a great question because I think what he ultimately is at his best is a big, powerful inside run defender with strong hands and who is not really a penetrating pass rusher. Now, I think he's got a skill set to become a pass rusher, but I, I don't think that's what he is right now. So I don't think he's a, he's a true three technique. So does this make him a 3-4-D end? Or, uh, you know, I think – or is he kind of a base defense D tackle in the NFL but not really a three technique? Uh, and, and, you know, some teams do that. So uh, – that's what I. That's ultimately what I think he is. But I think he's he's a pretty big man, and he's really well proportioned. You know, he's he's not one. Of, he doesn't look heavy on tape. Yeah. Um, Xavier Cooper from Washington State, and uh, the Cougs were interesting in that they played a base three four, which not a lot of college teams still do. Um, and he would run a lot of strong side stuff, and you know I, there were. And he's six three two ninety three. What do you think of him as far as where he plays in the NFL? Um, you know I don't think he's is he strong enough to be a three four end. Maybe is he fast enough to be an out you know a, like a four three end? I don't think so. And this is a guy you know there are versatile players. And then there are tweeners. And the NFL is kind of where tweeners go to die. And that's kind of the conclusion I came to with Xavier Cooper <laughs> is that I wasn't really sure he had. And I, when we get to Henry Anderson from Stanford, I'm going to say the same thing. There are just certain guys who I don't think have one specific trait that makes you go, okay, now I can place him here. Well, Cooper, again, he's – you like the versatility. Uh, I made the point to myself, could he be a fit as a one-technique deep tackle in a 4-3 front that features a, a good penetrating three technique? Um, is he big enough or stout enough to be a 3-4 D end? I guess he's just about 6-3. See, he's a guy before the combine, I, everybody thought he was 6-4, 6-5, and then he gets to the combine and he's 6-3. Yeah. So... Um, you know, he's a good combination of size and plus athleticism, and I made the same note you did. I then said, what's his best position in the NFL? And I think that's that's a hard question to answer. I just, when, when you have a guy who's his size and puts up his numbers, especially at 167, 10-yard split, there are some outside linebackers who don't do that. You want to see that explosiveness on the field, and I really didn't for the most part. No, he doesn't. He doesn't quite play that way. Um, he's not a naturally explosive athlete. I think he's got good balance and he's relentless, but he doesn't play as a naturally explosive athlete. And as they say, that's all well and good, but where does it put him? And I, you know, right. to me, it, 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 maybe he's a rotational guy. Maybe someone. Some team in the NFL, some coordinator says, okay, I've got like a four-eye or, you know, this specific uh, 
nine front roll where, yes, he fits perfectly. But I think it's going to – and all it takes is one, but I think it's going to have to be someone who sees something there because when it's – you know, it's like Mayak says, uh, you know, fast guys are fast, slow guys are slow. But when you're sort of not explosive and not powerful, uh, okay, what now? So uh, so a guy like Cooper becomes theoretically a, a sub-package situational player for a coordinator who sees a role for him, but not a starting player who's going to play, you know, 60, 65 snaps a game in the NFL. Yeah. Um, here's a guy I find very intriguing, and not just because his name is Michael Bennett, uh, but Mike Bennett, the defensive tackle from Ohio State. And I was watching him, um, really good power, uh, 6'2", 293. Um, he's not, he's not a, a strong guy. He can play, I think he, he can play inside and outside, in my opinion. Um, and I heard one comparison to uh, Mike Daniels from the Packers, and I found that very intriguing. This is a guy I like. And again, with him, I think it's going to take one defensive coordinator to say, yeah, he fits perfectly here, and let's go do that. Yeah, I mean, again, now you're getting into what's his position in the NFL. Uh, I think he's a, more of a one-gap player because I think his game is built on quickness with both his hands and his feet. Yes. Um, you know, he showed the ability, uh, which I think is critically important for defensive tackles, to contact, extend, release, and separate, mm-hmm. and I think that that's so, so important. I thought he understood how to play with leverage and fight against pressure versus double teams, um, but I think for the most part, he's a quickness player. Uh, I, I think I saw him more as a rotational D-tackle in a four-man D-line. Could be. Could very well be. Okay, we're going to get to a guy who is a favorite of both of ours, and uh, I, I, I finally watched him a couple weeks ago. It's Grady Jarrett from Clemson, six one three zero four, and to me, uh, well, I just, I mean, the the comparison was quick because I remember watching uh, this current NFL player's first preseason, going, how can a guy that size, about six one two ninety ish be not only when I mean, you expect fast, but to be that disruptive with his hands, to, to shoot in gaps, to get skinny, as they say. And to me, Grady Jarrett, the guy I'm talking about is Geno Atkins. Because Geno well, it's came, funny because, first of all, he's one of my favorite prospects at any position in this draft class. He's tremendous. Um, and, I, you know, he wasn't a great pass rusher right now on tape, but I said has the needed skill set to develop into a quality pass rusher. If he can do that, he becomes a similar player to Geno Atkins. Yeah. That's just what I said. So I, I love Jared. He's got explosive quickness. Um, when I started watching him because of his size, I thought, oh, he's a rotational D-tackle. But the more I watched him and the more I saw how he played, uh, he's, he's more than a rotational D-tackle. To me, he's a starting D-tackle in the NFL. I agree. And I would agree that you, you go off that, the size, and you say, oh, 6'1", 304, maybe he's, you know. But the, the, the feet, with, I mean, it's the combination of basically he's, one of these athletic marvels we talk about, the Jordan Phillips and the Danny Shelton, is just that someone hammered him down a few inches and took off a few pounds. It, it's just, it's so interesting to see him, you know, he's got these, you know, karate chop moves, he's got tremendous feet. He's one of the most aggressive, just aggressive down-to-down defensive linemen I've seen in a long time, um, just as far as how, and I, the, the one thing I would almost worry about is 
is he going to run out of gas because he's just so nonstop? I mean, we talk about motor and effort, and it's just always there. And um, yeah, yeah, and, and maybe that's why he'll, he that could be the reason he is more rotational. But I think the skill set is beyond that. Uh, and I thought that what, what he he did really really well. And again, he's shorter, so he plays really low with explosive hips and active hips to stay balanced is he showed the ability to displace offensive linemen. And he did that an awful lot. And he had really good balance and body control. He was not on the ground very much. He made plays outside the box. Uh, The more tape you watch on this player, Grady Jarrett, the more you really like him. And, And that's the way I felt. When I first started watching him, because of the size, I thought of Jordan Hill with the Seahawks, so I really like coming out of Penn State. That's, yeah, that's a good comp. That's a good comp. And I, I remember talking to Pete about Jordan Hill when they took him and how Pete always loved those Mike Patterson-style under tackle, and he's like, yeah, that's exactly why we got him, because that's, you know, he's he's that guy. But the more I watch Grady Jarrett, the more I thought that he could be more than that, and it's no knock on Jordan Hill, who I think is a very good player, but I'm not sure Jordan Hill can play as more than a rotational guy, and maybe Jarrett's the same way, but I think his skill sets a little better. Well, it's just, you know, guys that size who are that disruptive on every down, like a Geno Atkins, they tend to be outliers. And again, with Jared, I just go back to, can he play with that intensity on every play through every game? Because that's what he's going to have to do. And Clemson, I mean, we, we discussed this a couple weeks ago about the defenses that are the most multiple. Um, and you mentioned Clemson is one. And uh, perf- I mean, football outsiders metrics... They, I mean, Clemson was the number one defense in the nation, um, and that's adjusted for opponent. It's not just well. They had a lot of good players. Yeah, um, but this guy to me is I. I think you just and I think is he just is he a four three guy? I don't know where you put him in a three four. No, he's a four three guy. But I think you just wind him up in there and you let him go, and he's. Gonna I be- think he can be a three technique. To be honest with you, I do too. I think he's got that explosive quickness about him, and. I think he can be a three technique. I think, as we're both saying, I think he has Geno Atkins traits. And, of course, Geno also had Pecco there for a long time in uh, in that Mike Zimmer system. So you have the big guy to sort of take that over. And then he, I mean, you almost treat a player like that as you would a linebacker in that you're expecting your defensive tackle to take blockers so he can get through quickly. And that's that's sort of his assignment is to get through quickly. And he certainly does it impressively well. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Um, the pass rush, is he will learn that and get better, but he had a play against Trey Jackson, who I know you like, and yep. was uh, one of the top-rated guards. He showed a swim move against Trey Jackson. Jackson didn't touch him. I saw he it. He blocked the air. I saw it. Yep. <laughs> and he that's blocked the air. That's the other thing, that first-step quickness. And we talked about yep. it with a guy like Leonard Williams, that, that you know the first punch. Going back to the Bill Walsh thing, and this guy always punches first, and he may punch second before you can even get your hands up. He's just he's uh, very very quick. Um, any other defensive tackles uh, that were of specific interest to you? Uh, there's there's a couple guys just real quick because I know we want to move on yeah. and we don't want to talk about everybody. We can. There's a couple of guys who I find really interesting uh, as three techniques. One is Bobby Richardson from Indiana. Yeah. Another is Marcus Hardison from Arizona State, who played a lot of defensive end. But I see him as a three technique, and I see him Hardison that is as someone a Lovey Smith or a Rod Marinelli would love as a prospect because I think he can rush the quarterback as a three technique. And then there's a guy. Uh, um, who 
I really didn't know much about it all, Doug. And the more I watched him, the more I liked him. And that's Darius Phylon from Arkansas. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I have not. He is... He's arguably, arguably one of the best three technique prospects, and I use the word prospect, okay? Mm -hmm. I don't want people to think I'm suggesting he's a top 10 pick. But I think he's arguably one of the best three technique prospects in this draft class with a game that is similar, similar, not he's not this player, but his game is similar to Fletcher Cox. Now, he's wow. not at Cox's level of prospect. He's not as explosive as Cox was coming out of Mississippi State. But he not only did he play three technique for Arkansas, uh, Phylon, but he also lined up at the end and rushed the quarterback. And he has some innate pass rush skills. So I'm going to be intrigued to see where this guy gets drafted. Yeah, hardest that I saw, Pac-12 guy, obviously. And, I, you know, to me, I would love him as a well, 6'3", Yeah, I could see that Lovey Smith role. Not quite Tommy Harris because he's not that strong. No, he's not quite that guy, but he can rush the quarterback from a three-technique position. As a one-gap, uh, just getting through really quickly, showing a lot of intensity through the gaps, yeah, I could totally see that. And that's that's what you like to see in, in players like that for sure. Okay, moving to defensive ends, and we're going to, you know, as I said, kind of split the baby and talk about uh, certain pass rushers as ends and certain ones as linebackers, and it's kind of subjective, but, you know, hell, it's our podcast. We'll do what we want. Here we go. <laughs> uh, Shane Ray from Missouri. The comparison I made was to Bruce Irvin, and I, when it comes to first-step quickness, bend around the edge, I mean, he's a... I think he's a little stiff in his hips. I don't see dip and rip yet to like a Demarcus Ware level, but as far just pure gas off the snap, outside of Randy Gregory, I think he's the quickest guy in this draft class. Um, well, I really like Shane Ray, and I, I, I spoke to actually a coach in, in the SEC who had to play against him, and. He, he loved him, and, and I think it shows up on film. He plays a violent, explosive game with a lot of passion. I mean, this guy is competitive. He's passionate. Uh, he's a twitchy athlete. Um, I thought he used his hands well as a pass rusher. Um, I didn't quite see him as being tight. I mean, I, you know, but uh, I think that he did show the body flexibility to bend the edge and close with speed. Um you know, one thing Missouri does, they did it with Alden Smith, they did it with him, is they moved him inside and put him over offensive guards. Yeah. And, you know, that that is just not a, a good matchup for offensive guards. Um, now, there's a guy that, to me, looked and bigger and played bigger than his size. I would agree with that. Um, you know, when, when I watched him, I didn't see a guy that was 245 pounds. I, he looked bigger on film to me. You play, well, uh, uh, one of the notes I made when I watched him was resets well from a pass rushing, rushing position to redirect and run downfield with top-level closing speed, which is to say once he's blocked out, he doesn't stay blocked out, and he'll, he'll fight back. And he's a lot stronger than you might expect from a guy like that. Another thing, and I, you know, depending on the, the NFL team that takes him, works across the face of the tackle and could be a real weapon on stunts and inside counters. I think he's very laterally explosive as well. This is not just straight line speed. No, and, and, and I think you could even line him up, as we said, inside in a sub-package. I mean, he worked from three technique positions as, as a pass rusher. I, I saw him do it against South Carolina. I saw him do it against Indiana. He did it against a bunch of teams, and uh, he's, he's really he's a 
just a, it's a mismatch. Yeah. So I like Shane Ray a lot, and I think he's got got what it takes because of that competitiveness as well. Yeah. I mean, he's got a great playing personality. He he's got a bit of a nasty edge to him. He does. I think you uh, you give him a few more hand moves in that palette. You make sure he stays low because sometimes he'll get high and he'll just get blasted out. But you know, a couple minor adjustments, and I think you you could have the NFL's next great sat guy. I, you know, he's. He, he comes across as having all those attributes. So, uh, Randy Gregory. This is, you know, why don't talk about the pot bust? I really don't care. But Just don't talk about Randy Gregory to Eric Flowers. Oh, yeah, exactly right. Well, talk a lot of people to Eric Flowers. They couldn't block him. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, you know, this is rare speed. 6'5", um, weighed in at 235 at the combine, played about 10 pounds lighter than that, and... Again, this is it's it's a little bit of the Deion Jordan conundrum. Where do you put him? To me, I would, you know, if I have a base, not the three four, but more the five two that Wade Phillips likes. Um, that's where I'd want him. I'd want him as I'd want like Von Miller when he came out. You want him in space. You don't want people blocking him because he tends to dissolve just at that size. But good God, he's fast, and he could be fast. Well, let me ask you a question. We, we, we've we've now done this Deion Jordan thing because he hasn't turned out to be a great player, and who knows what will happen. What did you think of Jason Taylor as a player? Uh, he was very good. He was tremendous. Okay, now now Ross Tucker, who works with Jason Taylor, told me that Taylor played at two thirty. So he played at six six two thirty. So. I think we, you know, every player is an individual. We all do this. I do it too. But I think you got to be careful about putting guy in a. In, we have to evaluate Randy Gregory because Randy Gregory. Hey, maybe he's Deion Jordan, but maybe he's Jason Taylor. We don't know the answer to that question. So we have to evaluate Randy Gregory. And Randy Gregory is a guy that has tremendous balance and body control. I mean, he looks like a basketball player because he was one. He was a Division One recruit. He's got tremendous movement flexibility. He's got really loose and explosive hips. Yeah. I mean, if, when you watch Gregory play, okay, now let's go back, and he's a different player because he doesn't weigh as much, but he's he's a more far more flexible athlete than Jadavion Clowney. He's just a more oh, yeah. flexible guy. Yeah, well, he weighs, what, 30 pounds less? You right. So, that. I mean, but he's about the same height. He may be taller. Yeah. Um, now, the one thing, uh, he, I mean, he's, he's a quick-twitch explosive athlete, you know, and, and he, he really he rushes the quarterback very, very well. Now, the one thing that stood out, I think you theoretically you can coach this, but he was laid off the ball on too many snaps. Mm-hmm. And, again, it's like we talked about Leonard Williams playing high. If you're laid off the ball in the NFL, you know, you and I could block him. I mean, you can't be laid off the ball, ball in the NFL. Well, I was but watching, as far as uh, skill set, yeah. skill set, this guy has a tremendous skill set because of the body flexibility. I remember a scout telling me, watch a player uh, as a pass rusher to see if he can kind of separate his upper body from his lower body. Uh-huh. And, and Gregory can do that. Yeah. Um, the other thing, I mean, you talk about playing personality with Shane Ray. I like Gregory's as well because he's a fighter. I agree. Um, and that's... So we do have to be careful with the whole weight thing to make him sound like he's you know, afraid of con- He's not afraid of contact. He will get in there. No, not at all. Up. 
Not at all. And I made the same point you did. I thought he played with intensity and effort. He showed some nastiness at times. Um, you know, th- th- this was not just a guy who rushed the quarterback. And actually, I thought he, the tape showed, he, again, this is not an interpretation. Here's what the tape showed. Mm-hmm. The tape showed that he did a much better job than people might think holding the point in the run game and then releasing and separating to be a factor in the run game. Do you think he could be that Sam slash inbacker that Von Miller is? Um, you mean in a four, in a three? Uh, excuse me, in a four three? Yeah. Uh, possibly. Yeah. I mean, I just yeah. Uh, I guess you're asking me: Will teams see him as a four three linebacker? Will they see him as a four three D end? Uh, will they see him as a three four outside backer? Uh, you know, it's. Again, it's it's probably a hard call with Randy Gregory, but he's. I think he can rush the quarterback. Well, okay. Let's. Where do you think he best fits? Uh, I did struggle with this as well. See, uh, I love the player, it, it, but I, I did. I mean, I think that he can play. Well, I guess here would be my question. Can he be a 4-3 DN like Robert Mathis is? Now, their body types are totally different, but Robert Mathis played at 235 pounds. Right. Um, you know, can yeah. Gregory be a 4-3 DN, or does he have to be uh, a 3-4 outside? I think he could be any one of those things. I think it just depends. But I think you've got to draft him. Not He's a guy, in my view. You made the point about Leonard Williams, about not putting him in a box. I think Gregory, you've got to put in a box. You've got to decide what he is. I don't think you can put him in a whole bunch of different places. I mean, you can do that in a sub-package here and there, but I think he needs a position to start. Yeah. It's interesting that, I mean, that's that's where we get into multi-positional, multi-gap. So many of these guys were like, well, okay, where do we put him? We don't really know. I guess that's... <laughs> well, you're different answer by the way from different people on what Gregory's best position is yeah well let's uh let's talk about speaking of guys that are difficult to put in a box let's talk about Alvin Dupree from Kentucky also known as Bud um ran a four well you're gonna you're gonna be surprised by what I think of Dupree okay um go ahead oh well first of all he's super athletic I mean that jumps off the the film this guy he's one of the best movement guys in this draft Uh but you know who? I don't think he's an outside pass rusher. I don't either. Now, now, can he become that? I don't know. Maybe he can. Now you get into that whole discussion about you know natural pass rushers and what can be taught and what can't be taught. But you know who? To me, the, athletically, the better comparison was who? Jamie Collins of yep. the Patriots. We, uh, Stephen and I, made that comparison on Wednesday. I also thought he reminded me a bit of a Key Mayers. I think he's a better athlete, but I could see that. Um, but I think that uh, I'm not sure Dupree is an edge pass rusher. And in fact, uh, when I talked to you know an SEC coach, as I said, he said when they played Kentucky, they never even worried about him as a pass rusher. Well, here's what he can do. He can cover the flat. He can cover the seam. If you want a curl-flat linebacker or a half-field defender, he can do that. He can cover slot receivers. He did that a lot. So, to me, he's more a space player, and I think the Jamie Collins comparison is great. Yeah, that's who, that was, when I, and, and again, Dupree was a guy I watched a lot of games because I really, you, you can't help but love the movement, Doug. The guy 
guy's a phenomenal athlete. I mean, you're, you're watching a guy, you know, it's, that's just what he is. And I kept trying to think, because he's not a natural pass rusher, and I'm trying to think, okay, is that what he is in the NFL? And I'm thinking, nah, nah. And I talked to some scouts I really respect at the Combine, and they sort of felt the same way, not about Jamie Collins, but about the fact that he's not a natural pass rusher. So then when I watched more and more tape, I'm thinking, okay, where does this guy play in the NFL? Because you got to think that way. That, that's why we're doing this exercise, you know, to, to transition guys to the NFL. And I thought of Jamie Collins. I thought of a guy, you know, let's say he lost five or ten pounds because I think he's like 267. Let's say he's 260 or 255, and he's he, he's a linebacker like Jamie Collins. Yeah, I, I, that's where I'd put him. I wouldn't, you know, if he if you get five sacks, great, but he's going to be that... In a lot of defenses, I mean, as Jamie Collins sort of glued the Patriots, in, you know, intermediate pass defense together, I think he could do the same thing. And you, those guys, to me, are harder to find than pass rushers. Possibly. That's, they're, they're probably not viewed as important, but they're harder to find. Yeah. I would agree. And not every team needs them, I guess, per se, but if you have one, I think you're going to be really happy about it. Um, let's go to Oa Odigizua. There, I got that right. Double O, as I call him. Yeah, double O. Kid from UCLA. Um, and it, it, kind of Anthony Barr's replacement is that, uh, and, and UCLA runs you know, the Jim Moore defense. It's a, it's a, I guess it's a base 3-4, but it's variable. Um, this is a guy, I mean, if you, if you draw up a pass rusher, 6'3", 267, uh, long arms, uses his hands really well. I like him a lot. He's got some, you know, some medical issues, the hip surgeries. Um, some people would say he lacks the burst off the edge. I mean, I, I thought he had enough burst. I, you know, I think, I think he can be a special player. But to me, here's a guy who, this is a 4-3-D end, and that's it. I think he's one of the most intriguing, fascinating prospects in this draft. Um, he's not as big as the guy I'm going to mention in terms of height and, and maybe not quite as athletic, but not far off. I, In some ways, he reminded me of Ziggy Ansah. Yeah, I can see that. And, you know, he's a really good athlete with explosive movement traits. Uh, I thought that his hands were, were active, fast, and heavy. And, uh, I, I mean, I really like him as a prospect. Now, again, I always use the word prospect because a lot of people start to think that, you know, these guys are automatically either great or bad, and they're all prospects because they've not played one snap in the NFL. Well, it's better than but being I a think, suspect. What's that? It's better than being a suspect. Right, right. Um now, I, I think that he's got a lot of what you look for in a pass rusher. Yep. He's, I think he can bend. I think the speed to power was evident on film because he he was able to um, to get underneath the pass of, of uh, Utah's tackle, Jeremiah Putasi, of Jake Fisher, of Andrus Pete, believe it or not. Yeah. So there's a lot... There's a lot to work with. There's there's a lot of tools in this kid's toolbox. Well, he has what we call heavy hands, right? Yeah, for when he, sure. When he hits you, you you move. And the, a lot of these guys, we talk about hand usage. Um, he just he comes. He he has sort of an elevated sense of gravity. And when he hits you, it's just a different experience. Yeah, I really. I mean, I, I think this kid. <laughs> Is a really intriguing prospect. I'm real anxious to see uh, where he gets drafted. Yep. Uh, Preston Smith from Mississippi State, and he, he, this is not a quick twitch guy. Six five two seventy one. Nope. But 
I like him a lot, and I like him as a run-stopping end who, and I'm, I know you know this because you've watched the tape, on passing downs, they would move him into one-tech shade, and I'd think... Yeah, or sometimes zero technique. Yeah, right over the center. And yep. so to me, okay, you're not going to get 12 sacks, fine. But, um, you know, is he a slower Michael Bennett? You know, the, those multi-gap guys. And the thing to me is wherever you put him, he plays credibly. And there's a lot of value in that. Maybe he's not going to be a known name in the NFL because he does a lot of stuff at a really good level. But there's a lot of intrinsic value in that. And, you know, I, I see him with anywhere from late for – I think if you're the Ravens, put it that way, and you've lost your two most versatile linemen in Pernell McPhee and Haloti Nada. You look at Preston Smith and you go, well, our defense is predicated on a lot of movement. If you're Dom Capers, again, our defense is predicated right. on a lot of movement. And at 6'5", 271, he's got the dimensions and the playing style to match those dimensions to do a lot of different stuff. Yeah, I made the point when I was done watching him. I said, no special traits as a 4-3 D end. More of a solid complementary D end slash D tackle who can be effective as a run defender and secondary pass rusher in a number of different fronts. Yep. That's exactly how I saw him. So we see him the same way. Yeah. So to me, his value is going to be team-specific. There are going to be some teams that will look at him and say, oh, he's not a quick-twitch pass rusher. That means he's a third-round pick. And there are some teams who are going to say, like you mentioned, the Ravens, that play a lot of multiple fronts and move guys around and say, hey, this guy really fits what we do. Maybe he's an early second-round pick for us. I, you know, he's. there are always those sneaky first-round guys, the guys who sort of bop into the late first round. I, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, and, and again, I, I don't think his his skill set and overall traits warrant that, but it, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, we talk about the lack of technique in a lot of these players, and <laughs> the next guy, I mean, my God, what an athlete. Daniel Hunter from LSU, I mean, G, 6'6", 240, just explodes off the tape. A uh, few of my notes. Rare athleticism for his size. Impressive speed in every direction. Lateral agility is more comp- comparable to a tight end. So he looks like an offensive player on defense at times. Right. Converts power to speed by pushing off blocks and advancing quickly past linemen. Persistent pass rusher who will engage throughout the play. Um, he does have effort sacks. He's not just a fast guy. But uh, extremely limited in his technique and instinctual abilities. He has almost no trace of rip swim. Doesn't use foot fakes, needs a better dip and rip, tends to run around blocks to get pressure, has to speed and agility to redirect after initial blocks, but loses his awareness in that physical persistence at times. So, I mean, I, to me, I don't know that you play him a lot in the first year. I don't know how much of this stuff is coachable, but uh, in, in, in the theoretical hypothetical, I mean, he's just freaky. I just don't know how much work is there to be done. Yeah, and, and he was he was a tough guy because, you know, it, overall there was a dis- disruptive element to his game in a variety of ways, okay? Point of attack in the run game, pursuit and range to make plays. He batted down passes, but he didn't show any kind of pass rush skill set. And when you keep watching him, he has little understanding of how to rush the quarterback and almost nothing in his toolbox. Yeah. He, he does. He can't rush the quarterback right now at all. So, what's what's the projection? Can you develop him into an edge pass rusher? I mean, he's built like 
Jason Pierre-Paul. But, yeah. you know, Jason Pierre-Paul came into the league raw as hell, but he had natural pass rush skills. This guy has no natural pass rush skills. But yet, he's very valuable in a number of ways. Does he end up being a... Uh, is the best case scenario the way Connor Barwin was used in Philadelphia? You know, kind yeah. of a, you know, a length guy, a multi-dimensional skill set, and the ability to get kind of clean up sacks and hustle sacks. Not, not your sort of number one pass rusher. Um, I don't know. Was it Houston or Philly? Did they put Carl, uh, Barwin at the second level at times and kind of play him as at linebacker depth? He played all over. Yeah. But, I mean, and I think Hunter, you know, is he that guy? Is he a guy that you don't, you know, you're not drafting to say, okay, he's my edge pass rusher, because he's not, but he has this sort of multidimensional skill set and he, with his uh, length and athleticism that he can do a lot of things. I think that's a really good comp. I think it's a really good comp. Now, of course, these, these athletes without technique, you always run the risk of it's just not going to happen, but I can see that. I could totally see that. Um, Nate Orchard from Utah, and this was a guy I struggled with. Um, plus side, impressively quick player off the edge and off the snap, will occasionally beat a tackle before the tackle can get his hands up. Uh, potential force on loops and inside stunts where you can see gaps and shoots through. High effort, even when blocked out. Um, more dynamic to me with his hand off the ground. Uh, quick off the edge, but tends to react at times. And this was a guy, yeah, plays lighter than his measured weight at times, could be washed out of the run game and beaten physically more often than you'd like. And the guy I compared him to was Aaron Maven, which, you know, I, I, people are going to view it as a death sentence. I'm just talking about talent out of college. Um, Who did you compare him to? Aaron Maven. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he's an interesting, I mean, do you, do you see him as a D-end? I don't think he plays with the strength to be a D-end. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's a three four outside backer. Uh, that's what he looks like. Yeah. Um, his draft status will be, to me, determined by how teams view him as an edge pass rusher. And I think, based on a couple of conversations I had, he fits the classic discussion of is a guy a natural pass rusher, and what can you teach a guy? Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't look like a natural pass rusher. Uh, so now the question is, how much can he be taught? Um, now, he's got deceptive quickness. He's got good movement. He's, he's a pretty fluid athlete. He's not stiff, um, but he's not twitchy. I mean, he's not one of those guys that you go, wow, look at that guy move. Um, so ultimately, uh, what will be determined here is how people see him as a pass rusher because that's, that's what he's going to have to be in the NFL. Well, to me, he runs like a guy who's heavier and he plays like a guy who's lighter. That's not a good combination, Greg. Yeah, I understand exactly what you mean. Um, you know, although I thought one thing that, that stood out was I thought he had counter moves, which you don't see very often in college, and I true. thought he had some counter moves. True, yeah. And, yeah, that's that's true. Um, going to Trey Flowers. Bring up my – there we go. Trey Flowers from Arkansas. And oh, I think to me in some ways – I don't think he's quite as good, but I think you could make an argument he's somewhat similar to Preston Smith. Yeah. Um, I actually thought he was faster. Uh, let's see. He takes quick and decisive angles to the ball carrier when there's an opening. At times, will peel off block and make impressive run stops. Um, tends to sift through the line too often without explosive speed or dominant hand moves. Can be blocked out to the edge pretty easily for his size. 
diagnoses running plays well, but finds it difficult to press through blocks and doesn't always finish. The guy I compared him to is Bjorn Werner. Is who? Bjorn Werner. Oh, okay. Well, Flowers will not be a first-round pick. No. And maybe Warner shouldn't have been, but, uh, um, you know, to me, Flowers was a good run defender. I mean, the thing, he, he's only 6'2", but he's got very long arms, and he played with length, especially in the run game. Yeah. But but he's not another guy that's not a quick twitch guy. He's not a bend-the-edge pass rusher. So, ultimately, the question with him is, what is he? Pass rush down the road. Can he develop into a more refined pass rusher? Um you know, he's not a top athlete for the position. I think he's a better player than athlete, but he's he kind of lacks the athletic and movement traits that you'd like to see overall. But I think he's a good player, and there'll be a place for him. I, yeah, and my question is, at 6'2", 266, um, I mean, he had a one seven three ten 10-yard split. He's not explosive. He's not fast. He's small to be a tackle, He's big to be an in. This is, to me, kind of where we get back into the tweener category. Right. And, man, maybe he's, you know, a tweener guy, and uh, who knows. But, uh, you know, he's a guy I kind of liked on film, but I'm well aware of his limitations. Yeah. Um, who are the other defensive ends, Mr. Costa? Well, you wanted to mention Henry Anderson, did you not? Yeah, I did. Um, and one reason it's worth mentioning Henry Anderson, because it gets into a discussion of, and I know you've mentioned this a few times, and teams obviously use this information, it gets into a discussion of um, uh, of the combine and, you know, all the drills. And then what kind of value was are the drills? Because... You know, Henry Anderson's 10-yard split in the 40 and his 20-yard shuttle were significantly better than Leonard Williams. Right. So does that, what does that mean, if anything? But, you know, in fact, Leonard Williams' drills were average, okay? Yeah. So what does that mean? Uh I mean, it means something. It, it, and I don't. Again, I'm not sure what it means. I'm not. This is no knock on Leonard Williams. It's just we're talking about a guy who's a number. You know, being talked about as the best player in the draft. And hey, maybe he is. Maybe he's not. Uh, but yet, if you look at for those people who like to use the drills when they love a player, <laughs> then, then you know how do you how do you deal with drills when they're negative? Exactly. I, I don't know the answer to this question, by the way. Well, again, I'm not smart enough for that. But yeah, Henry yeah. Anderson's, you know, a lot of his measurables in drills were far better than Leonard Williams. The, it's the I, I don't hear Henry Anderson being mentioned as a top five pick in the draft, though. It's the Mayak. Well, again, fast guys run fast, slow guys run slow. When a fast guy runs slower, a slow guy runs fast. That's when you talk about. It. Um, I mean, I kind of, I kind of like Henry Anderson. I think he's going to be a really. I think he's a guy that needs an NFL weight room. Well, I'll give you. you know, he's six six two ninety four, and I think he could be six six three fifteen in three months in an NFL weight room. He'd be a lot more interesting. Well, I'll just I'll, I'll throw you a few of my notes. Interesting hybrid player who up credibly as a run stopping and pass rushing in three and four man fronts, as well as a five tech and a three tech tackle. Shows good speed off the snap. Uh, moves through trash quickly, gets shitty, skinny to shoot through double teams, and consistently looks to disrupt. Um, on the downside, to me, uh, tape screams tweener at times. He's not dynamic enough to be a pure pass rushing end. He lacks the raw strength to be a high ro- rotation tackle, which is where the weight room stuff comes in. Uh, limited array of hand movements leaves him to use speed and basic pushes to get past blockers. Needs to be very quick off the snap because his first step game is his primary advantage. And 
when your speed is your primary advantage and you're moving to a league where everything's faster, do you then, is it then a case of diminishing returns? Maybe, and I think he really needs to learn how to use his hands. Yeah. I mean, he, he doesn't know how to use his hands. He's one of those guys that doesn't know how to do that. But, but I, ended, I, I, ended, I mean, I ended with, we'll need to be aligned with a coaching staff who understands and improves on his viable strengths. I think there is a great player there. I just don't think he's there yet. I I agree with you. I think there's a lot to like about him, but I mean he's he's got some very positive physical traits and very good length. And I think, as I said, he can be 20 pounds heavier. But this might be a two year down the road project. But he's there, there are some really interesting elements to his game. And he's again played with, the way he was used at Stanford. He played with great versatility. Yep. Uh, any other ends that really tickled your fancy? Defensive ends. Let me look at the list of players that I've watched. Um, have you watched, just out of curiosity, Mario Edwards? Uh, yes. Oh, I can't believe I didn't mention him. Yeah, what are your thoughts? I'll, I'll... I'm trying to figure out. He's a guy that's played about... I think he's played every position uh, on their front seven at some point at Florida State, and I think that that makes him hard to evaluate. He's a tough evaluation for me. Yeah, he's not me, a pass uh, rusher. Okay. Uh, there's a part of me that thinks he should get up to 285 and 290 and be a three technique. Okay, here's here are my notes. I can't believe I didn't mention him. Uh, when he sets low, move up to snap the power, Edwards is a potentially dominant physical player who can move offensive linemen out of the way and break off to stop the run. Good feel for gaps, root speed when he gets going to run through openings and disrupt. Good ball rush, gets around blockers with a nice foot fake. This was a guy who had better technique than some. Um, downside, not sudden at the snap. Spends too much time hesitating and looking looking for openings as opposed to creating them, and I always wonder if that's scheme. I, I never know, unless I, you know, you're talking to a coach. Plays too high and gets pushed back. Not a consistent pressure player. Plays without his hands too frequently. Needs a far more comprehensive array of moves and counters. That really stood out with him. Um, I compared him to Robert Ayers. He's one of those Robert Ayers, Tyson Jackson guys where I just don't know. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he's a tough guy for me because it, it, when you see him as an edge player, to me he's not an edge player. No. And and so I wonder if because he's done this in his career if he should gain weight you know, be 285, maybe even 288, something like that, and be a three technique where I think you know, he may be able to be very effective, I don't know. Or should he drop some weight and he's then a 3-4 outside linebacker in the mold of a Jared Johnson, kind of an edge-setting power outside linebacker. I mean, I, I think he's a guy you've got to sort of figure out what you think he is in the NFL because he's not gifted enough physically in terms of twitch to just say, oh, he can do five different things and he'll be great at that. I'm not sure he can do that. And because of what you just said, I would be more inclined to put some weight on him and have him use his base strength and have the quickness be sort of the secondary thing. Right, and, and and I don't have I'm I'm not sure, you know. I just, but I think that you have to decide and what you know what uh, what he is. I mean, he's not a pass rusher. That's the thing from the outside. And I mean, I mean I, you mentioned Jarrett Johnson. I think of Paul Kruger. And what do those two guys have in common? They were really good in because Jarrett Johnson played with the Ravens too, right? Jarrett Johnson, yeah, he started his career with the Ravens, and yeah. so did Paul Kruger. And you know. They were successful to a degree in other places, but that's a guy who's going to need 
an exact scheme. And again, it's the coach. And maybe this is the overriding discussion for defensive linemen is more and more it requires that you fit the player to the scheme as opposed to just a guy who comes in. Because I don't know if there's anyone in this draft class who's just going to come in and, and maybe Shane Ray. Who's well, gonna... when a player has certain limitations, Doug, you have to try to fit him yeah. because he can't just do anything. I mean, Edwards, you can't just say go out there and play because you're awesome. You know, he can't rush the quarterback. I mean, I watched him against uh, D.J. Humphreys, and his inability to generate any kind of pass rush was starkly evident. I mean, he, he, he couldn't do anything. So he's not an edge player in that sense. You know, could he be an edge player as a, like I said, a Jared Johnson, you mentioned Kruger, you know, guys who, uh, you know, they might get five sacks just because it's scheme, but they're not pass rushers. They're more of edge-setting guys, you know, with a, with a multiple multiple roles. But I don't know, maybe that's what he should do, or maybe he should gain some weight and be a three technique where at least he might have a chance to, to be a pass rusher. Is Shane Ray the only player in all the guys we've discussed today, is he the only guy who's scheme transcendent? Who's what? Scheme transcendent. Oh, I don't know. You know, scheme transcendent, I, I, I'm not, you know, I, I think I know what you mean, but, I mean, he's, ideally, he's a great pass rusher, so, that, you know, I think Gregory, theoretically, could be that guy, too, down the road. Um, I mean, that any but, team that drafts him is going to find him to be easily successful. Um... Because I don't know if Leonard Williams. But I still think you have to decide what he is. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, because let's say you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I, I'm just throwing that out, and you draft him, then he's a three-four outside linebacker for you. Uh-huh. So, is he a three-four outside linebacker? Uh, I think he could be. But we don't, you know, you don't know any of this, so you don't know if he can play in any scheme. What you do know is he can rush the quarterback. Yeah. Yep, exactly. With ends, that's what you want. Uh, any other ends that stood out to you? I'm just going down my list uh, of guys that I've watched. Um, doesn't no, no one that stands out. Okay. I've just watched a bunch of guys who, you know, but who are uh, you know, the only guy I found interesting is a small college guy, Kyle Emanuel from North Dakota State. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If, have you seen him at all? I have not. I just made a note to myself, you know, down the road, can he be Rob Ninkovich? And by the way, Rob Ninkovich was not Rob Ninkovich for about his first three or four years in the league. Right. So, you know, that's the way I felt about the Kyle Emanuel kid. You know, uh, small college kid, uh, obviously big-time player for North Dakota State, but uh, just just a a guy to keep an eye on down the road. Have you seen uh, Zach Wagonman from Montana? I have not, and you're not the first guy to mention his name to me, so I have not seen him. I don't, you know, 6'3", 247, I'm not, I think he might be a weak side linebacker, but um, a very, just a really, really fast guy making plays all over the place. Really, really good. Maybe I'll take a look at him because, like I said, you're you're not the first guy to mention his name. Um, Maybe let's table him and discuss him next week when we talk about linebackers because I think that's what he is. But I'm interested in your thoughts because the dude was just flying everywhere and that kind of field speed. I mean, you right. And hopefully, I'll get to him. I mean, I'll I'll try to make it a point too. so. Well, you got nothing else to do. Come on, Greg. Jeez, it's only no, two. no. I've just been sitting around with my feet up, smoking cigars. Exactly. Well, 
Thanks for uh, taking time out from your cigar smoking, as always, to discuss these draft prospects with you. And uh, we'll be back to talk about a very interesting and talented and diverse linebacker group next week. Awesome. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Doug.